0: I'm going to read a scripture, I think it's going to be up on the, there we go, there is a lot of it. But anyway, we're reading 1 Peter 1 to 9, if you have your Bibles, you can follow through. 1 Peter, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. And honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is alive and true in our lives today, just as it was 2,000 years ago. I pray that you speak to us through your words tonight, Lord. Give us hope, a fresh hope, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I feel like at least 50% of you were here this morning, so sorry about that, but you have to hear it again. You know, um, I just want to share with you, the last 12 to 6 months have, have definitely been the hardest of my adult life so far. There has been what feels like trial after trial after trial. And through that time, I feel that I have been stretched to my limit and at at several times I can remember especially being at the edge and when I say at the edge I feel like at times I had been right on the edge of if one more thing had gone not as I had thought it would or hoped it would that it could have tipped me over to a point where I may not even be able to be here with you today speaking and Being on that edge is a scary place in a lot of ways. It's very difficult to see any hope in life. And every morning, the sun comes up, and there's a new hope. And it felt like, for a period of time, that with every morning hope, by nightfall, there were five or six other disappointments that brought me back down to where I was. And it's a horrible place to be in. And the one thing that I I feel about that time is that I felt a real lack of hope. What it came down to was that I had lost hope that things would change or that the, the one thing or the three things or the 20 things that I really felt I needed in my life at that time were going to change. And it was, I felt hopeless. And I know that I'm not alone in that. I know that many of us suffer whether it's suffering now or suffering in the past or even suffering in the future. Having a lack of hope is, I would say, debilitating, particularly from an emotional perspective. And getting to that point feels like it saps your soul of energy and it, and it is exhausting emotionally, physically, mentally, It is exhausting to be in that position where you feel like there is no hope in life. And like I said, I know that many of us are either in that position or have been in that position in the past. It's a prolonged lack of hope that eats away at your soul and wears you down. And we live in a community where our mission is to serve the community we live in. And there is a prolonged lack of hope out in this community, so prolonged that it can be generational for some people, that there are generations of families, that the message from, you know, from the oldest to the youngest is that there is no hope in life, that there's no point in hoping in a mystical being that lives up in the sky and puts you through heartache and you know, whatever else on this earth. That there is no hope, so why even bother? And I know at those times, you know, in the, in the darkest moments, that it does seem like it is all worthless, that there is no point. And worse still, I think, are those times where the thought creeps in that if this is really what life is like, maybe there is no God. Because if if there is a God that loves us and cares for us, just like we sing about and talk about every week, how could he let this happen? Why? Why? And in those times, it is hard to see the light. But I can tell you in my own experience that being in that, darkness and and feeling oppressed and surrounded by this heaviness in my life, that reading 1 Peter, this verse right here, does something to me on the inside. It speaks to my soul. It's not just words on a page. These scriptures, these words are life-giving, living hope that I can hold on to even in the darkest times. And there is an explanation, I believe, even in this short few sentences that wraps all of that up and gives our life purpose and meaning. And you know, Peter, I love Peter as a disciple. Well, you are not supposed to have favourites, but I love Peter. I feel like I relate to him. Peter was, he was, um, what's the word I'm looking for? What was that one? He was a contradiction. You're listening this morning, right well <laughs> on. Peter was just spare of the moment, fly by the seat of his pants. He just did what he felt at the time. And I love that. And Jesus called Peter the rock on which he would build this church. And when we talk about a church, we're not talking about a church plant. Peter was responsible for building the church, capital C, church of which we are all a part of all Christians are part of that church that was the responsibility that Jesus gave to Peter but also Jesus called Peter Satan Peter said to Jesus I will never betray you and yet when Jesus was being crucified Peter denied him three times and when Jesus walked on the sea out to the boat where the disciples were crossing over the sea, and he called to them, Peter was the first one to jump out of that boat. And he walked on water. The only other person that I've read about in the Bible, in history, that that walked on water other than Jesus. And Jesus called to him, he jumped out of the boat and ran to him on water. And yet in that moment, when he's standing in front of Jesus on the sea, He starts sinking. And Jesus says, What's the matter, Peter? Is your faith lacking? That is Peter. And at the time when Peter wrote these epistles, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, there was an emperor called Nero. Anyone heard of Nero before? Nero was nuts, literally. They called him the mad emperor. He set fire to Rome, watched the city burn. He hated Christians persecuted them endlessly and he was so sadistic that in those times that they would capture Christians he would use Christians as in human beings to light the palace gardens when he was having parties and when I say light in those days there was no electricity and I don't want to get too graphic because there are kids here but I'm talking about fire human torches this is the time that these letters were written. This was the risk of being a Christian. Nero was the one who had Paul, Peter and Paul, both of them martyred and killed for their faith. Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't feel that he, should, uh, that he was worthy to have the same death as Jesus, who insisted on being crucified upside down. And in that time, obviously this was before his martyrdom, otherwise that would be a different kind of miracle. When he wrote this, that was the environment that they were in. And yet, we read in this scripture, this amazing truth, this short, punchy, life-giving words from Peter. And I, I want us to read through this scripture because there's a couple of really important things in here that I, I want us to understand. And so Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces, exiles in some translation it, it says aliens, but basically the, the translation is sojourners, it, it basically are people from another area who have come to another area and are living and, uh, and having relationship with the people that are there. They're not just passing through, they're actually living in, a, in an area. So they're not from here, but they are in a community, which is very similar to us. Now, those five areas, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, all part of Asia Minor, which is Turkey. And if you watch the news, you will know what is happening in Turkey at the moment, full of conflict. Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father? And Matt wherever Matt is, Matt, mentioned that in Ephesians earlier about um, our sonship, our adoption with God, that he knew us before we were even born, foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. And This, to me, is very important for us to understand as Christians. That word sanctifying is hagiasmos. Say it with me. Hagiasmos, Mary. <laughs> Mary's good with these. Hagiasmos means being progressively transformed by the Lord into His likeness. Now, why is that important? Well, sanctification is a process, right? I've, I've spoken about this before: the three steps of salvation not going to go into it but sanctification is basically the middle part for us right we were saved from death and from hell we were we we're glorified into heaven at the end but sanctification is the process we go through in life now this says that we are being progressively transformed by the lord into his likeness you'll get get that? Understand that? We're being transformed by God into his likeness. It's not anything that we do. It's not not a responsibility of us to transform ourselves into God's likeness alone. Because as you all know, you can't work your way to heaven, right? You have to have a relationship with God. And so his spirit working in us is what transforms us into his likeness. And that With the next verse, which we don't always like, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Now that sanctification process is about the spirit working in us and talking to us and having relationship with us so that we can be obedient to Christ. It's not just so that we can have a pat on the back all the time. God wants us to be better, if I could say it that way. God wants us to be closer to him. God wants us to deal with some of the things, the baggage in our life that holds us back, all of us. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Who wants grace and peace in abundance? You know, I read this um, commentary from Matthew Henry. He says that solid peace cannot be enjoyed where there is no true grace. First grace, then peace. Because peace without grace is mere stupidity. I didn't write that. That's Matthew Henry. If you don't like that word, you can take it up with him. But peace without grace is stupidity. And what, what he's saying is that you can't have peace if you don't have true grace. And what is true grace? Grace is a gift from God. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Because let's be honest, we deserve, we don't deserve to go to heaven with God because of sin in our lives. All of us, every one of us. But because God loves us and his grace is so amazing, it's a free gift that he has given us so that we can have relationship with him and enter into heaven and if we don't accept that, then we can't have true peace. And I know for myself in those dark times where I have been searching for God, and quite often in those times we look inwardly at ourselves and we start to beat ourselves up about, you know, maybe the mistakes that we've made in the past or you know, mistakes that we've made in life, and we start to justify the position that we're in to say, well, maybe I'm here because I did this and, you know, at at my core, I'm not a very good person. And I'm, I'm saying this because these are things that I actually thought and have thought through those times that I don't deserve. I don't deserve what I want because I've made so many bad choices in my life and I have not lived like Jesus lived and I've made mistakes and done things that I would never talk about. But I'm no different. We're all the same. But grace tells me that God still wants a relationship with me and has still made a way for me to be in relationship with him and to live a life of eternity in heaven with him. That is grace. And you know what that grace does? That grace gives us peace. And not just peace, but peace in abundance. Peace in abundance through grace. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth. I'm not going to go into that new birth because it's it can be tricky, but anyway, you can read about it. 2 Corinthians 5 is a good place to read about that. Into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now that hope, the word Greek word is elpis. Say it with me, elpis. Elpis. That word, when when we talk about hope, I use the word hope a lot in in my everyday, you know, vocabulary. I, I hope for a lot of things. I hope my hair grows back. <laughs> that was funnier than it should have been everyone a bit too much laughing there (laughs) I I hope that my kids grow up healthy (laughs) yep (laughs) Uh, I hope we get you know more people from our community coming to our church I hope for a new pair of shoes. I hope for a new job. Hope the Crows get a good new coat. Thank you for that one. I forgot about that. Hope the Crows actually do well next year. I hope the Port don't. I'm looking at you, Jude. Yeah. <laughs> I just hope, I hope that they do slightly worse than the Crows. That's all I can hope for. <laughs> Now, when we talk about hope, I'm sure all of you can relate, right? We use hope a lot. But when we talk about hope, well, I think what we're really saying is, I think this may happen, and if it does, I'll be happy, but if it doesn't, then so be it, right? Hope, in this context here, actually means an expectation of what is sure. It's not just a, I hope the crows do well, I wish I could use this context for the Crows doing well, because if that was the case, the Crows would be guaranteed to win the grand final forever and ever and ever. Amen. (laughs) It's an expectation of what is sure. There is no doubt in it. There is no doubt. When we say hope, we're actually not sure whether it'll come through or not. We're just hoping for the best. And we put that on God and say, God, You know, sometimes if we're we're true, we say, God, I hope I get this, and if you love me, it's probably going to happen. Because God is a good God, gives amazing presence to his children. But that is not the context. We are given a new birth into a living, life-giving expectation that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead... Now, I just want to make this really clear, and hopefully I don't offend anyone. But if you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is, the physical man who was crucified, was buried in Joseph's tomb, like we talked about, and then rose again to life on the third day, we can have a conversation about whether that's being a Christian or not. I hate to say it that way. But if you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, then the rest of what's written in the Bible is going to be really hard to believe as well. But that is the core fundamental of our faith. That is the rock on which we build our faith. And it says that the new birth, we're given a new birth into a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. And that inheritance is eternity in heaven. That's the, that is the promise. That's the end goal. It's eternity in heaven. I hate to say it and I'm preaching to myself here. The promise is not that we will not suffer. The promise is that we will not go through dark times. The promise is that through faith and an expectation of what will happen, that expectation is that because Jesus rose from the dead, that we can have eternity in heaven with our Father, where we will be perfect, where life will be blissful, where we will have whatever we want, I'm sure. And whether or not that's worshipping at the feet of God day in, day out, or playing golf on the best golf courses in the world, I don't know. I'm hoping for a bit of both. Some people's hell, other people's heaven, golf courses. (laughs) Bible says the roads will be paved with gold. I don't know. Hopefully the greens are as well. (laughs) Another golf joke, thank you. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Now, the reason this is important is because Peter is writing to Jewish Christians. They thought that the promised land was their inheritance And so they were sojourners, they were exiles or aliens in another land. And Peter's saying to them, actually, your promise is not to go back to the promised land. Your promise is to be in heaven with the Father. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice. And we all greatly rejoice. (laughs) That wasn't that great. (laughs) Anyway. Though, now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Now, if you think about that word, that you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, let me tell you that no matter how dark my time has been over the past 6 to 12 months, I have not had to worry once that I might end up as a human torch in the emperor's garden. I've not had to worry once that I might end up in the Colosseum, in the middle of the Colosseum, surrounded by thousands of people, banging for my blood because of my belief in Jesus, with wild beasts coming to have fun with me. Not once have I had to worry about whether or not I'm going to have food on the table or whether we'll have food to feed our children or whether if they get sick I'll have medicine or whether or not we'll have money in the bank to be able to pay our bills or whether or not we'll have a roof over our head, a car to drive, clothes to wear, an amazing church community to be a part of that if any of those things should happen to fall away that I know I could come here and find support not once have I ever had to worry about any of those things. But yet, for me, they have been dark times. And this scripture is telling us, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And this is not just about, you know, the early Christians. This, this is... This is valid to us right now. All of us. You know, if not right now, then probably in the past. And if not in the past or now, then probably in the future. That's what Scripture tells us. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, and I'll just stop there, proven genuineness, documention, Say it with me, documion. <laughs> Thank you. That word, on, means testing to see if it's genuine. It's like, uh, just thinking of this off the top of my head, when we bought a van, Pastor Ben and I went and test drove the van. We wanted to make sure that it was an actual van with a real engine in it, not just a cardboard box that someone had painted and some guy sitting in it pushing it along. <laughs> Before we handed over our cheque, we took that thing for a test drive. And not only that, we, we also had an expert come in and check that vehicle over for us. That is documion. That is testing to see if it is genuine. And that word is used only one other time in the entire New Testament. And that is in James. Well, we mentioned this through the, the prayer and fasting time. 1 James, it's in specifically in 1 James 3, but 1 James 1 to 3 says consider it pure joy for the, anyone? Bye. Testing of your faith, that's, anyway, we don't like to remember that one. But it says consider it pure joy whenever we face trials or temptations of many kinds. That's what 1 James 1 says, consider it, or 1 James 2, sorry, consider it pure joy whenever we go through hard times. Because, in 1 James 3, it says, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now, I don't know if God puts things in our path for us to grow. I personally, my belief is that he does. And there are examples of times where God allowed people like Job to go through trials and tribulations. But it is a testing of our faith, documention, to see if it is genuine. And Peter says here that that is of greater worth than gold, which was very valuable in that day, which perishes even though it was refined by fire. And to refine gold, you fire it up, all the impurities come out of it, you're left with pure gold. Peter's saying that when we test our faith for its genuineness, that it's worth much more than even the purest of gold. Because it may result in praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. It will result in praise and glory and honour when Jesus is revealed in those times. Though you have not seen him, has anyone here physically seen Jesus? That was, a, that was a loaded question. Someone might have put their hand up. That would have been... i going to have to get you to talk to Pastor Ben. <laughs> though you have not seen him, just as Peter physically saw him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious Joy, For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Who wants inexpressible and glorious joy? Everyone, I'm sure. It's an amazing promise and it's a truth written by a man who was closer to Jesus than probably almost anybody else. And that promise is not just to those churches in those five areas. That promise is to all of us right here and right now. It is a living message of hope. And that hope is an expectation through sanctification, through being sanctified, through the Spirit and being in relationship with God and being open to God speaking to us through the Holy Spirit who is with us and being obedient to Jesus, that is the key to peace through grace, and I can tell you from my own experience. <clears throat> in fact, I, I want to say this as a word of encouragement: being through a difficult time, and when I say difficult, you have to trust me when I tell you. I'm I'm probably sugarcoating that quite a bit here because I don't want to. I don't want to break down and cry all over myself. But when I say a difficult time, I can tell you that I've been through a difficult time, mentally, emotionally, and physically. But the one thing that I would encourage all of you to do, that if you go through those times, is don't go through them alone. Don't go through them alone alone. We have not been put on this earth to suffer in silence alone. We have been made for relationship. We have been made in the image and the likeness of God. And we will go through times of trials and tribulations. And if we're obedient, if we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, we will have inexpressible and glorious joy i have i have spoken to people i have reached out and said i am not coping i have sought professional help and there is no shame in reaching out and telling someone that you need help and the one thing i know at least for me <clears throat> The lie that comes is that we're weak and that we're not worthy and that we are responsible for our own issues and our own problems. And there is some element of that. But we should not suffer alone in silence. We should reach out. We should talk to people. And we should do it as soon as we feel those feelings before it gets too overwhelming. Because we are all here for each other. And that is the promise that Peter has given us here the hope, the expectation of being in relationship with God. You know, I shared a story this morning. We talked about Peter jumping off the side of the boat and walking on water. Well, when I married Larissa, which was over 10 years ago now, I had more hair then. I'm not saying it's her fault I have less hair now. I'm just saying. am <laughs> just saying it <that> happens. <laughs> it might be. I don't know. Anyway, we were on our honeymoon. We went to Thailand. It was amazing. We went on this cruise. We're out in the middle of the ocean. I can't remember which one it is. But anyway, it was, it was beautiful, tropical, and we were on this um, boat and we stopped in this place where we could go uh, snorkelling. Right in the middle of the sea, not off the beach or anything, just, you know, out in the middle. And I, I wanted to do it, but we were on a, on, a, um, on a cruise ship that had about 50 or 60 people on it. Now, about 40 of those people were all together. And they got to the back of the boat, which had this very nice little platform, which was at water level, out into the sea. And they were all out there for what felt like ages. And we only had a limited time here at this place. And they were all taking their time. There were kids there. They were getting their jackets, you know, done up. And I didn't want to be rude. We're on our honeymoon. I was trying to impress Larissa still. (laughs) So I was like, I'll let the children go first, of course, (laughs) while I was looking at my watch. And so I was taking its time anyway. And then this, this little guy who was working on the boat just tapped me on the shoulder, on the arm, and he said, you, jump here. It was off the side of the boat. The boat was really high. When I say cruise ship, I don't mean like a cruise ship. It was just like a, you know, it was a boat, but it was probably at least two or three metres off the water. doesn't seem high, but I dare you to stand. It's like roof height, basically. Stand on the roof and then see how far down it looks. Anyway, so this guy says, just jump, jump straight in here. And immediately I looked at Larissa because we we're on our honeymoon and I didn't, I didn't want to let her down because obviously I was her knight in shining armor, big, strong new husband, not afraid of anything. <laughs> but inside, <laughs> my heart was pounding and the guy said, It's okay, you jump. I was like, Of course, I wish it was higher. Anyway. I jump off in midair my mind is going what are you doing? what What are you doing? why have you just jumped off a boat? before I knew it I'd hit the water dived into the water it was beautiful now the water was beautiful now I'm going to share two things with you I'm a bit of a wuss I don't like fish live fish <laughs> I don't I don't like fishing, and I, I, the reason I don't like fishing is because I don't like touching live, squirmy, slimy, flippy, floppy fish, right? It scares me. <laughs> I'm just being real with you. Now, in this sea, goldfish are the worst. <laughs> Has anyone ever wondered why fish don't have eyelids? What is up with that? You know, I see people grabbing them and I think about people touching my eyeballs. It's horrible. Anyway, I digress. So I jump in and I'm trying to put my goggles on and my flippers on and I'm half drowning and giving Larissa the thumbs up. And I put my goggles on and as I look into the sea, two things happen. One of them was that in this beautiful tropical place, the ocean was full of fish. Live fish who thought I was food. <laughs> or at least had some kind of food on me. And the other thing that happened was that I did not anticipate the breadth and depth of the ocean. And I know that sounds like a crazy thing, but there's more water on this place, on this earth than land, right? It was so clear and so deep and so wide that it literally took my breath away. And when I say took my breath away, I don't mean like, oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> I meant, I can't say that. I, I panicked. It made me panic because there was no security around me. I, the guy said, do you need a life jacket? Of course not. I used to go to swimming school when I was in year two. I can swim. <laughs> so as I'm half drowning, because I'm trying to tread water, my breath is being take, taken away at the position that I would put myself in. And to make things worse, <laughs> Larissa was still standing up on the deck. And the little, the, the guy, the guide, had a handful of bread, of which he was picking off pieces and throwing bits of bread... <laughs> strategically around where I was floating in the sea, which caused a feeding frenzy, of course. (laughs) And so above water, I was smiling at Larissa saying, this is amazing, but underwater, I was was like a ninja shooing fish away. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to make sure that the fish didn't get near me. Now... You could be forgiven for thinking that there were marlin and tuna and gropers, you know, all really big fish. These were these fish. <laughs> they were tiny. <laughs> they were tiny. <laughs> they were not piranhas. They were not flesh eating fish. They probably weren't even as bad as the fish that you put your feet into the water and they, you know, those fish probably weren't even like that. Completely vegetarian, I'm sure. (laughs) Anyway. That moment made me panic. And I started questioning myself about why I would do something so stupid on our honeymoon. We didn't even get a chance to have children, build a life together. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) Larissa, Larissa you know it's funny how you remember things that didn't actually happen or you remember them differently. I thought I was in the sea like a big hero and Larissa was like the damsel in distress up on the boat just watching her hero wading around. She reminded me that she actually got into the water as well. Not the heroic way I did, of course. She slid off the back of the boat like normal people. (laughs) But she didn't like the fish either. She was scared too. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. You know... The whole point of what I've been talking about today is a reminder of two things a reminder that trials and tribulations do come that life is not perfect it's not all fairy floss and butterflies that tough times do come and we as humans we deal with those in whatever way we know how to and for me in the tough times over the past six months where it has felt like I was never going to see my way out of this dark place, the one thing that I have been able to hold on to is hope and a belief that Jesus is real and he wants the best for me and that I should consider it pure joy because the outcome of this tribulation is perseverance and that perseverance is going to see me through the next trial and tribulation and that's going to grow more perseverance in me and that is going to see me through the next trial and tribulation and my faith will grow stronger and stronger out of it you know life life is not fair I hate to say it, but you already know that, all of you. You already know that. Life is not fair. Life can be really tough sometimes. And I don't know whether these are tests from God or whether it's because of the world that we live in or the influences of other things. I don't know the answer to that. But all I know is that throughout all of those times, I have a choice. Hope is actually a choice. Just like love is a choice, hope is a choice. You have a choice to either continue to hope for the best or to give up on that hope. And it may seem like at times it isn't a choice because it may seem like at times there are no choices, that you are stuck, unable to move, unable to shift, unable to get God to intervene. But nobody... Nothing in this world can rob you of the ability to hold on to the hope in your heart that Jesus Christ rose from the dead so that we can have eternity in heaven. And trials and tribulations will come in life. And you know what? On the same token, the best times of your life are going to happen as well. Life is probably full of more amazing experiences than there are bad. But I understand in those bad times, they seem all-consuming. But hope, hope is the reassurance and the expectation that things will change for us. That through sanctification, like we talked about before, being progressively transformed by God into His likeness, and to be obedient to Jesus in those times, that is the process that we go through in life. And I want to stand here as a testimony to you today to tell you that the sun goes down and the sun comes up. And the sun goes down and the sun comes up. and The sun goes down and the sun comes up day after day after day. Nothing can take that away. Nothing can rob you of the hope that Jesus is real and can intervene in your life. And you know, although it's a funny story about me jumping off the boat. You know, the, the, the thing that that has done for me in my life is that next time I'm standing on the edge of a boat and I feel the Holy Spirit asking me to jump physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever the case may be, when I stand on that edge... And I look over and I think about that time in Thailand when I actually jumped off the edge of a boat and I stand here today to tell you the story about it. That when the Holy Spirit leads me to the edge of the boat and says, jump, just like Jesus did to Peter out on the sea, that I can jump with full faith. Because I know that when I hit the water, I might panic. It might be the best experience I've ever had in my life but the bottom line is I'm going to get out of that water I'm going to get back on that boat and we're going to hit our destination nothing can rob me of that experience and that hope and that knowledge and I want to give us the opportunity tonight hope is a foundation Hope is what you have that no one else can touch. Hope is a choice. And so I'm not going to I'm not going to ask you to come out the front. We're not going to do anything crazy, but I want to give you the opportunity to respond. And so we're just going to worship for a little bit. And I just want to encourage you, if you, have, if you feel like you have lost hope, if you feel like you need a fresh infilling of hope, even if you want to stand in the gap for someone else that you know that has lost their hope, people who know Jesus, people who don't, regardless. If you want to make a stand and claim hope, in your life which is the expectation of things to come I want to encourage you to just stand where you are and I want to encourage you to make a fresh connection with God no matter how long you've been a Christian for whether it's one day or a hundred years God is a living hope this word says that we have been given a new birth into a living hope which means it is living and breathing and real in our life every single day And so why don't we just worship, and I want to encourage you, stand where you are, respond in whatever way you feel you need to, and then we'll pray.